When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Burnley again. They come to um, Anfield, a packed Anfield this time round. I expect carnage of a different kind this week. Welcome everyone. Welcome to carnage. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We have messed up the intro again. <laughs> but this time, this time, I sacked Avi. As you can see, there's no Avi on the screen. Like, none of these look like Avi. Like, these guys are handsome, good-looking people, right? Avi's dismissed because he messed up the intro last week. And Ross and Fahi, welcome aboard, first and foremost. Absolute Thank you. pleasure having you both on. As you can see, I've got Conroy, who is a brilliant contributor to the to the AFC Drapers. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah, Avi's laughing in the in the in the in the, Avi's laughing in the comments already. We spoke with uh, Conroy, and I said, "I said to Conroy, you know what you're doing, right? We know what to do with the with the with the intro and everything." Because Gav's been drilling it into me, <laughs> and lo and behold, this is what happens. But listen, I love when this happens. Uh, this is what it's all about. Um, again, Fahi, how are you doing, pal? It's been a while. I've been uh, trying to get you on. Our yeah. timings and 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 whatnot hasn't hasn't uh, hasn't always matched, but very very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Grizz. It's, it's been a while, like, like you said, but I'm glad to be on with you guys. No problem. And Ross, resident now, like, you know what I mean? That dude from yeah. the Red Men. Like, it all started from that dude from the Red Men, and now look at you. You're part of the furniture. Nice one, pal. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I don't know why you call day trippers, mate. It's fucking bedtime, nearly. Night well, listen, come on. Yeah, but you got, yeah, but you got to remember... And people, this is your opportunity to tell us where you're viewing and listening in from, because it could be day in parts of the world, yeah, where we're popular. Like I can't imagine us being popular in the UK and Ireland. <laughs> but, 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 Conroy, listen, Conroy, the only way is up. How you doing, my brain? No, I'm okay, mate. I think that was like 50% right. So see, to be honest, that's pretty good for me. So that's <laughs> a pass mark. I think we can all agree. <laughs> oh, no, Absolutely. only joking. Absolutely. But, Listen, it's been a pleasure. You've got big, massive boots to fill. I mean, he may be only four foot five, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Well, I'm telling you, you I'll tell you, um, listen, thank you very much for helping me out today as well. Oh, absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm buzzing to be here, to be honest. It's, uh, I saw that tweet this morning and I was like, yes, definitely up for it. And then the, the dread of having to fill for Abbey came on. So I've, I've basically just been in a, a dark room for the past three hours preparing myself, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm still messed up. <laughs> exactly. Don't overthink it. It is what it is. Listen, um, so look, last week was the first week of the Premier League. We spoke about the excitement. Everything um, was geared to having a an amazing season again. Fans back in the ground. Um, I'm still recovering. I've just about recovered from last week. I'm not going to lie. Last week, I made the long trip to Norwich. And I have to say, it was probably one of the most enjoyable away trips in a long, long while. Obviously, because it's been such a long time. But on top of that, I thought the away Reds, shout out to the away Reds. It was amazing, amazing atmosphere. But this week, guys, takes on another level, doesn't it? Because this is like I I literally can't sleep already. And I'm that I'm that I'm looking forward to it that much because it's been what 17 months, lads, is it? Sister, does someone know exactly how long it's been? Where we I, think it's, I think it's 18 now. 18, 18 months. months. Yeah. I think I think so, yeah. So 18 months and there's been not a, a crowd. Well, we had the 10,000, didn't we, and, and whatnot, but that didn't feel right. This will and has to feel right. Conroy, I'm going to come to you first because this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. We've been told and we've witnessed and we've experienced probably the best Liverpool team in our lives, I think. I'm speaking for myself. I think we all agree. We've missed them like hell, haven't we? And we haven't watched them enough. And we and 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 but this is a chance for us to have them back in the ground, for us to be back in the ground. How are you feeling going into this? I think we're we're all, to be honest, ecstatic, to be honest. And it's uh, last week was just a, a you're lucky enough to go, Grizz. It was a snippet of what, what it will be. And uh, ironically, it's going to be against Burnley, who <laughs> I'm not going to steal what was, was said before the chat, but the, after the loss to them. It kind of was a downfall of last season for a long time. So it's quite fitting that we get to go back to Anfield and it's a bit of retribution for that. So I think just it's kind of fitting that we're against Burnley. And I feel like the atmosphere is going to be for everybody. I think even the friendlies, pre-season friendlies against Osasuna and Bilbao, I mean, they didn't even feel like friendlies. They felt like just like an actual real game because people were just to be in there. And, and embrace it again. So to be honest, mate, I think it's going to, I'll probably be watching a match of them about four times, to be honest, unfortunately I can't get a ticket, but uh, I think it's going to be superb and hopefully we win because I feel like we all feel like we're going to win the league after beating Norwich and that's great. I love the optimism, but it's going to be a bigger test against Burnley because they're not going to give us as much space. That's a guarantee. So it's going to be interesting, Grizz. Ross, this, um, this game, obviously from our point of view, um, a packed Anfield, seeing friends again that we haven't seen in ages, no restrictions. Um, that's amazing as it is. That's exciting as it is. But then the added spice, and I'm so happy that Conroy didn't steal my point, which I stole off him. Um, <laughs> this Burnley team comes to town and it's the team, it's the same team, same manager, near enough, um, near enough, I think, same squad as well, barring one or two that stopped our uh, consecutive wins streak. And then last season, for me, guys, for me, it was the saddest I've been in 
ages. I think probably since the 13, 14 uh, Stevie J slip. That's how bad I felt because and sad because not only did we lose, but I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong and people in the chat will, I think it was around the death of Jürgen Klopp's mother around that period or she was very ill as well. So overall, it was a horrible, horrible night. Um, a lot of coaches and players don't use the word revenge, Ross. They hate using the word revenge. But um, as fans, we're allowed to use it, right? And yeah, I want, I want a huge, massive revenge. Yeah, um, I, th- I think you said a lot of things that are the same with Bur- in regards to Burnley, but there's a lot of things that are different. Our side is different. We'll have fans back in the stadium, which I think is different, and life's ultimately different. And that Burnley defeat was hard to take because because it was just compounded on top of a lot of other things. Of you know, we weren't playing great. We'd lost Van Dijk at that point. We'd lost Gomez. I think Matty actually played that game, so we still had him in that team. But we weren't playing very well. So then, you know, you can't be there in the ground to cheer them on. You know, you can't go and see your mates really because it's just it's just a bit shit. I think at that point we realised we weren't in a, in a title race. And as you said, you know, you, you lost what the one hope that you had, which was, you know, maintaining that, you know, a great, great record at Anfield. And it, and, it, and it was gone. And there was no escapism there. Oh, you know, there would seem no route out for things to get better. And they, they, in fact, they didn't. They got a lot worse um, when, when you thought they couldn't. So... I'm kind of glad. Normally, when you think of Burnley half twelve, it's a bit uh, like you know, a Burnley three o'clock at Anfield. It's a bit like it's not. It's not one you, you kind of get up for, but it will be. And I'm glad it's Burnley at half twelve is our first game back because normally I think we'd struggle. You know, the crowd would struggle in, in certain games, but yeah, I think you're all spot on. You 100 won't this time. And I think we're different in the sense of, I think our squad and the players that we've got will have will have learned from things, but also like you know, Thiago. Playing, playing against low block sides, we struggled against them. You know, before we start recording, you mentioned Fulham. Brighton was was another one at Anfield as well. There was a template, a blueprint to go. Just sit back at Liverpool, soak up the pressure, hit them on one counter attack, and get a goal. That was how you. That's how you beat Liverpool. Well, we're not. We've got Navigator this time who can unlock a you know a low block side. We've got Thiago in there. We can look at the bench and we've got different options. And then plus we've got you know fifty thousand Reds back back in the stadium. It was going to be you know after after blood. I hope. Fahi, you know, um, we're looking forward to it and, you know, we're all excited about it and we're buzzing about it. There's no doubt the players will be as well, right? Oh, yes. Jürgen Klopp will be absolutely chomping at the bits, right? Because they've missed it as much as us, right? A hundred percent. I mean, think about last season. There were times where it looked obvious the players were struggling and they just didn't have the extra boost that they needed and now that we're going to have the fans back, 50,000 reds, it's going to make such a big difference. You know, when there's going to be those time of 60th, 70th minute where they're struggling a little bit because obviously it's still the start of the season, the reds will push them on. And, and I think that's so key to the way we play, the yeah. intensity, the pace. It's all because of the crowd. And that's what we missed last season. We missed it so badly. It was so obvious. I'm just so glad we're back to normal now, hopefully. Yeah. So as, as even those things where where it doesn't go right, you know, it'd be times last season where again, it was hard for us to watch. So I imagine it was hard for them to kind of play in in in, in certain games when when a pass doesn't come off or you know you make a run and someone doesn't get there. There was none of that like fifty thousand people going, oh yeah, like right idea, come on, like, let's kind of go yeah. again and ramp them up. So it's not just like scoring goals and singing songs or whatever else. It's that extra bit of an adrenaline or like confidence that you're going to get from the fans. Like we'll do something wrong against Burnley, but you guarantee you'll be allowed to go in. 
fucking hell, nice one. I saw the right idea what you're trying to do there. Go again. So if a player, his, his head's going to drop. It won't it'll come back up again because there's someone next to him going, fucking hell, that's a nice one. It does. It makes all the difference. Yeah. You're talking about every little sort of aspect of the game that, you know, we can help. We helped. And it makes a huge difference. Conroy, a lot of people are talking about sort of, you know, this 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 Burnley team and, and sort of um, a slight hoodoo over us. Like, I think I think it's only last two games where uh, they, they're unbeaten. But still, um, they're, they're, they're very sore in our memory, aren't they? Um, what different, what kind of different animal will they be facing this time apart from the crowd in terms of the team, in terms of where we are mentally, obviously physically, fitness-wise? Um, do you expect the usual type of game to play out um, or are you expecting something different this time round? This might be an unpopular opinion, but I've got to be honest, even with a great team, Burnley is always a difficult game. I think even if we say the lost the last game at Anfield, but if I'm not mistaken, the comments will get, get it right. I think we conceded, was it 4-3 before that previously as well? We had the Westwood corner when Alisson's had a few shaky moments. That was probably a fill, to be fair, but I don't think Alisson has the greatest memories against Burnley because that's the corner he conceded and the penalty he gave away. I've got to be honest, I don't think this is going to be as smooth as Norwich. I think we've got enough to get over the line. Um, ironically, the best I've seen us play against Burnley was when we had Nat Phillips in defence. That, that was the easiest I've seen us beat Burnley. That might have just been the way it went that season. But I feel like if, as uh, Ross mentioned, Thiago Hendel might be in the bench, maybe start, we'll get into that later. With the performance of Kea at the weekend, his confidence will be up. And obviously Salah is just electric now. It was really good that actually you could say the front four, three of them got a goal against Norwich. So I feel like the front three will just have enough to beat Burnley. I feel like we'll, we'll control the game like we usually will. And I'd say we'll get well enough with the front three with the form they're in and even Bobby Firmino scoring. I couldn't even believe that. I feel like we'll get enough to, to get by Burnley. But I, I don't think it'll be, I feel like it'll be a similar match that always is against Burnley. They make it difficult and so they should. You know what I mean? They've not got the same budget as us. I get really annoyed when people say, oh, they're playing a low block. But they, they should be playing a low block because it's our job to beat them. You know, and it's a... As Ross said, that that actually every you've seen pundits constantly saying, "Oh, they're playing a low block." Well, that's great, mate, but give me a bit more insight than that. It was like we should be able to do better with that, and with the full team back, I think we will. And I can see us winning maybe one two 0 at the weekend. I didn't ask for your prediction right yet. So, so you, sorry, you're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to change it now. When I'll I'm change, the change it. You can yeah, use you're that gonna one. Change it because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that one. Um, Ross, what will be different in this game? So look, Burnley, we know. They're not going to change their tactics. They don't change their tactics. Very rarely do they change their tactics for anyone, really. Home or away. Um, but but Conroy touched on a few things that, you know, sort of... You know, there's always players that have have um, have teams they play against that are, that are sort of better for them or they do better against. And and Zachary uh, Egan says, I think Firmino has the most goals against Burnley on the team. I think he means, like, he's got the best goals record. Um Obviously, we're going to start touching upon how we think we're going to line up and sort of the team selection. But, you know, these kind of things, do you feel like I do, uh, that we've got more armoury this time round, obviously, than last time, but overall as well, in terms of we're playing them at the right time where we've got a lot of options and that's what you need against Burnley. Yeah, the different options now to attack, but also to defend them as well. You know, you've got the likes of Matip, 
Van Dijk, Fabinho, even Jordan Henson back in the side, and you've really got height in your, in your team. And that's where Burnley like to cause their threats. You know, I, I agree with the low block stuff. I don't, I'm not slagging the way off the kind of play, but that's that's how they play, and how they will do coming to Anfield. But they look to hurt us on set pieces. Well, they can they can try that now. You know, it's a bit different when we had like Reese Williams and he was getting a yeah. bit bullied or whatever else. Whereas now, you know, you try and put a long ball up to Chris Wood or whoever it might be, and. Virgil van Dijk's there, there's going to be a completely different outcome, I'm afraid, uh, which is quite good. And then, you know, like I said before, you know, if you've got Henderson, you've got someone who can do the pressing work, you've got Navi Kaita, you've got someone who can go past the man, break the lines and look to play someone in. You've also got Thiago, I think he's got an eye for a pass that could probably, you know, look, look to break that down. The frustration for me last season was I was going from side to side to side no one's shooting from outside the box. If you want to do that, you've got Oxley Chamberlain. It's quite nice. Another good thing as well that Liverpool got, you know, we mentioned the players that played well against Norwich. There's also lads that played well against in, in pre-season. Now there's healthy competitiveness in this Liverpool side for the first time. So whoever starts has to play well because they'll be looking over the shoulder at the bench and going, well, if they don't play well, I'm going to get replaced or I'm not playing the next game, which I think they puts Liverpool in a really good position. It's true though, isn't it? Like what, what, what Ross says, like in terms of every team... Every team, you, you you expect them to have competition and, 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 and sort of players watching or looking over their shoulder and knowing that if they have a dip in sort of form and everything, there's people to step in. And do you know what? I know, I know the situation with the transfers is bleak at the moment. But putting that to the side, right, Fahid, do you think there is quite a level of competition now throughout this team now. So, for example, Matip and Virgil were were, were very good, were, were immaculate against Norwich. Yeah. Um, Burnley will pose an absolute total different type of threat to the Norwich way of playing, right? Burnley's will be all, you know, as Ross said, long balls, etc., etc. There is an option of, let's say, bringing in a Konata, who's probably the biggest of all the centre-backs, that kind of competition for the centre-back. And then you've got the midfield options, what we've gone through. And even the forwards. Um, I Would you make, personally, would you make any changes to this to the team that played last week, considering we have got options now? Yeah, I mean, to touch on your first point about competition in the squad, I agree. And I think a lot of that is down to the profile of player Klopp goes for. So he goes for like a Jota that can play in more than one position. Um, again, you've got players in midfield that can play in different parts of the midfield. It's not, they're not just set in like defensive mid. They can play as a box-to-box. Box. They can play a bit more advanced. So you've got, a, you've got a bunch of players in that squad that can play numerous positions, which is great. Um, in terms of changes based off the first game, the only one I'd really want to see is Fabinho back in. Um, I, I think Fabinho back in is crucial. Um, Milner, it, it was a bit of a Marmite performance. Again, it is what it is. I really don't want to be seeing a 36-year-old midfielder starting the first game of the season in defensive mid. Um, I don't think we should be at in that situation. For some reason, we are. Um, obviously, Fabinho is back now. Now, I'm hearing or I'm seeing on Twitter that he missed training today. Not sure what that's about. I'm sure we can discuss it further on. Um, but he's the one player I'd want to bring in. I think that's. I think that goes without saying. He kind of... Um... Boy, just last, we, we've always known how important Fabinho is to this team and we always talk about him being the best DM, but last season really showed. Have you got any concerns, Fahil, that I have um, just thought about in the last sort of couple of hours in terms of Simikas at left back? Now, he was absolutely fantastic yeah. against Norwich for 70, 75 minutes. Yeah. And then, as Klopp says, someone pulled the plug out, which yeah. happens to me 
five minutes, so I can't complain. But you know, he's um, he plays at left back, and what Sean Dyche is very good at um, is trying to sort of target the opposition's weakness and and sort of really focusing on there. Now, hopefully, people in the chat know what their setup was, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they do go with two up front and both. Yeah, it was a four-four-two, Chris. Last game, it was a four-four-two. There you go. That's that's you've made up for your mashup at the start. Um, <laughs> this, I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to put two absolute lumberjacks and then totally focus on swinging balls into that far post near the Simicast area. How would you expect us to sort of overcome that, Fahi, if you want to take that Yeah, and, and again, you're right. I think that is going to be the case. Um, now, if you're looking at who plays at right mid for Burnley, it's usually good Monson, right? Um, but, but again, I, I've seen McNeil switch it about as well. So I've seen him switch flanks. So I think for that situation, you could even see McNeil go up against Shimikas, um, which, which will be interesting. In terms of how to combat it, again, if you're looking at the, the squad, if you're looking at the midfield, um, it's tough because I feel as if Milner's the best one to handhold um, our fullbacks at times. Um, again, Henderson's obviously not fully fit as of yet. So even though I'm saying I want Fabinho back in the team um, in defensive mid, I, I also could understand the argument of having a Milner alongside him purely to combat the attack towards Shimikas. Because again, as, as you said, um, he started off really well against Norwich. First half, fantastic. Um, even the first 15 minutes of the second half. But after the 60th, 65th minute, he burnt out. He completely yeah. burnt out. Um, f- fair enough, he, he had a great start to the game. Um, but yeah, you could see that he was there for the taking in the second half. Conroy, uh, Sleepy Forest has got a brilliant way of combating it. Uh, used Tiago to keep the ball. And you know what? Uh, he makes a point because, look, that's the best way of stopping these these teams to hurt you is just, just to keep the ball away from them. Um, but just touching on Thiago Conroy as well, and obviously give us your, give us your thoughts on, you know, how you would think about setting up against, against that situation with Simicast there. Thiago, um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong again, guys, because I often am. I think this will be the first time he's, he's playing in front of a packed house. How exciting is that? Conroy. Very, very exciting. Just sorry, just to address the comments, because you might be thinking yeah. there's a few weird comments, right? So <laughs> my cat was in the last one and she's came in the room again. So as they're saying, this is the day trippers mascot. It's the reindeer in the background. She's get she's gonna get moved to now. So two sex. So to everybody in the chat who's asking, now he says her, hello. Why are you gonna move her for? Yeah, leave because her play, it's it's the reindeers in the background. But okay, we'll, we'll leave her. But um that's play, that's what the noise is. That's what the noise is. But um on, just before we get to Thiago, Grizz, I just wanted to add, if that was okay, to um, yeah. Fahey's point about McNeil. We need to give more compliments to Dwight McNeil. Dwight McNeil sent Trent for a newspaper about five times last season, and I think Trent's brilliant, but McNeil has got had his number a few times. So that is an area where you have to look at that I don't think in a month of Sundays he's going to put him on the right. I think he'll put him on the left against Trent because he, McNeil's done him quite a few times. So I just thought I'd raise that, that... It's not just a case of they are, you know, lumberjacks up front. It's going to be a case of long ball. But McNeil's a very, very good player. And he actually, I think he gets slept on in the Premier League. I think he's a very good player considering the players he's got around him. He delivers quite well every season. And that is a that is a weakness that I, I feel like Trent, he's bulked up a bit. He'll be ready to combat that. But that's going to be a really good battle. So I just wanted to add that because you're talking about that. And on Thiago, 
yeah, I think the last 10 games last season showed that the quality is there. I mean, if anyone was 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 questioning it, yeah, some of these comments are brilliant. Someone just said, Connor, your dinner is ready. <laughs> but I, I feel like Tiago, she's unprofessional here, but she's a, a Tiago. You're I think, on the right well, show, pal. Carry on. Yeah, no, no, it's good. But, but I think Tiago is a, he's obviously, he's a great player. And with the turbulent season we had last year for his injury, through maybe playing with the team he didn't expect to be playing with. I feel like, I think, shout out to Callum, Callum Sanderson said this, he said that in one of his shows recently that he thinks he'll be maybe player of the year. I would say he's most likely going to be, have a great season, potentially being a team of year, because I feel like everything's fallen into place for him to have a great season. And I feel like, well, Pat Danfield as well, I think we'll see the best from him. I, I really do. And, and some of his passing as well, with even Robbo not being there, but with Shimakas and Trent, the avenues he's going to have to find players in the wide areas, it's, it's phenomenal. Do you know what, Ross? P- people often talk about sort of players having played at the highest level in the, in the, in the, in the most amazing atmospheres and everything. But even someone like Thiago will be looking forward, right, to a packed Anfield because <laughs> this is... You know, he's often talked about it before, like the atmosphere at Anfield uh, when he came with Bayern, for example. Um, are you as excited as everyone else? I am like, I mean, I've got a feeling he probably will come into the side um, just for the fact to keep the ball away from these guys. The, the last thing they would want is, is someone to uh, to play, you know, the types of passes that Thiago plays against these guys. Are you excited as well? Because... You know, he is, he was our marquee signing, the one that went against the the, the sort of uh, blueprint of FSG. Um, he'll be absolutely buzzing for this as, as, as well as anyone else, right? Yeah, I went to the uh, Osasuna game and he came on as a substitute in that. But before the game even yeah. started, I think there was him, Origi and Jordan Henderson were doing keepy-ups. Or, you know, just on the touchlines before they warm up for the game, and he's just different class. The way that he controls the ball with either his, his chest, his foot, his knee, whatever, whatever it is. And Arriga was playing some shite balls too, and he still managed to keep it under control as well. So honestly, <laughs> you can just you can just tell when someone's a different quality of football. And I was like, I just watched him for 10, 10 15 minutes. It was brilliant. Um, again, when he, when he came on, I think he got a, a huge round of applause at the end. He'll be trying to soak things up, but. I think a Premier League game, first one of the season, is going to be a different experience for him. And I don't think he needs, he's not the type of person that thrives off a, off a crowd to play better. We've seen, you know, as you mentioned before, the last 10 games of the season, he was brilliant anyway. But this is part of the reason why he's come to Liverpool. You know, obviously he wants to play for Jurgen Klopp, wants to play in the side, you know, that was, was, was doing so well, as, as we mentioned before. But yeah, the crowd, the crowd is a pull, of course, the crowd's a pull. You know, and how many people did you see, you know, the season before going, oh, it's just you'll never walk alone and then it's dead? And then last season, it was like, well, you're losing because you haven't got your crowd. So, you know, make your mind up which, which fucking camp you're in before, yeah. you, before you start splitting us. So I th- I'm, I'm buzzing for Thiago. I think I agree with Callum, actually. I think he's, he's, he's going to be well up there. And I think, you know, again, something that, that annoys me slightly, if, if, again, when you talk about pundits and their predictions and what Liverpool will do this season, it all seems to be, although they were missing Van Dijk last season, we weren't. You know, we missed Thiago for, for large parts of last season as well. Obviously, it made a difference when we got our defence back and, and stuff like that. But, I think he's going to be key to, to sides like this who, you know, don't want us to, to score goals but put bodies behind the ball and how they play. And I fully agree on, on Dwight McNeil, by the way. I think, you know, I've said it for, for a couple of months. In fact, the, the lads at Toppy TV, they were linked with him and they were like, oh, no, like don't want him. I was like, he's actually got so much to his game. Like, he's got yes. a wicked left foot. He's got ability to take on a man. He's, he's not shy. He can bomb down the left wing. Um, he's got a great first touch as well. So, I think... Um, 
I think he will be a threat, but also I think if, if, when he, if he goes up against Trent or he goes up against Simicast, I think we're going to have the engine room back in the midfield. You know, Fabinho's yeah. going to cut, cut out the passes. Jordan Henderson, who played the, the, the behind closed doors friendly, I think he's closer than we think to, to starting games as well. So if you've got someone who's going to press and fill in the gaps, equally if, if we're attacking and the defenders split and Fabinho drops in the middle, we've got the ability to do that again. So I think we've got plenty of cover to, to counter whatever they throw at us. Yeah, but great. Sorry, I was just going to say the things with McNeil is like what I don't get. You say Everton fans saying that is if you're playing in a Burnley team, it's not like you're playing in a team with expansive. You're you're getting the ball all the time in great areas. Like he, he's maybe getting it from a, a knockdown and having to do so much and not as many moments in a game. And I, I agree, Ross. I just feel like there is some players that people just it's not fashionable, is it? There's just some. If he, players if like he that. was Spanish, if he was Spanish yeah. or, or South American, yeah, Dwight McNeely out the be all over him, mate. I, yeah, mate, I completely agree. I think he's very good, and I'm surprised. As I say, the potential for me is there's quite a high ceiling there, but no one seems to be looking at him. So it's a I just had one. to quickly, I quickly had to check Dwight McNeil's nationality is not Scottish, because uh, no. it doesn't I matter, just... mate. There might be a Scottish granny <laughs> in there. Look at Jay Adams. <laughs> uh, Fahi, some people seem to think that, uh, like Veranda Chiesa's lads, we've two losses and two draws. And six wins and locks, 10 against Burnley. You are bigging up Burnley a bit too much over a loss against them last season with a depleted squad. Look, he's got a very valid point. Um, we should be, and are you anticipating? Um, so obviously, Conroy thinks there will be a KGN affair, but we should win. What are you expecting then? Like, taking all things into consideration, are you? Are we over overhyping them a bit? No, I, I honestly don't think we're overhyping them. Really and truly, I don't think we are. Purely because there's a few factors you've got to look at. Um, number one, you've got to look at the centre-backs. Obviously, if we're going to go with Matip and Van Dijk again, they're still easing themselves back yeah. into football, right? So it, it's not exactly like they're back in their prime, that they're, they're at the Rolls Royces. They're not. Right now, they're not. They're trying to build up fitness. They're trying to get there again. So this is going to be a real physical battle for them. And the other thing you've got to look at is it's a lunchtime kickoff. We've seen plenty of Saturday lunchtime kickoffs where... You know, we start off slow. It takes a while for us to get going. And I know the crowd is going to be there, and I, and I completely get that. But you've still got to look at the other side of things. Like, historically, Saturday lunchtime kickoffs, we are quite slow and it takes a while. We usually concede our, certain games I've seen where you'd think we, we'd roll them over, and we just don't. And we just make it tough on ourselves. And I think really and truly, Daesh has something in him where he absolutely tries against Liverpool the most. Like, he really dislikes Klopp for some reason. Oh, he hates him. He absolutely hates him. Yeah, he absolutely hates him. So he is going to be well up for it. You also need to understand Burnley have lost the last four in a row in the Premier League. So they're they're on quite a losing streak. I don't think he wants that to continue. So, um, yeah, there's quite a few factors... And, and for that reason, I don't think we're bigging Burnley up too much. I think we're just being realistic and it's not going to be a, um, a rollover like people think. I think there's a, yeah, yeah, I think there's a massive difference between overhyping and being respectful, which is, is what we're doing. And yeah. like you said, just considering all, all basis and, and kind of what they are. Because we could sit here and go, well, well, when we think that we are going to beat them like 4 0, but that's me being an excited fan and the fans being back inside the stadium and the hype, whatever. But I think you think you're right, you know, you could have to take all, all both sides into consideration. That's not to say like Burnley are going to challenge the title or anything like that. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying yeah. that, you know, they've, they've got threats. They are, they are good defensively. You know, Tarkovsky and Ben Mee throw the bodies on the line and anything and everything because that's, what that's what's drilled into them. So, you know, it's a different type of football, like Conroy was saying before. It's almost like a a snobbery sometimes to think, oh, it's low, it's low block, whatever else. 
well, that's the way that they have to play. I think we have to accept that. Yeah. Is this that's true? That's his Lex? job at the end of the day. That's his job it, to make is, it miserable is, for us. It, yeah, exactly. But is this true? Is he a Liverpool fan? Is, is that is that? Yeah, um, yeah, that is true. That's true. And I asked him that, and he did say that he is a Liverpool fan. So yeah, that, oh, that is. Oh, okay. When did you get a chance to speak to the? I, I've been at a wedding with him. So my my really? friend. Really, tell us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sat on the same table as him and Ben Foster. I asked him the question. I was like, she's told me that you're a Liverpool fan. Is this true? Because I don't get the sense you are. And he said, yeah, I grew up as a Liverpool fan. Amazing. In his really he... growly voice. Oh, let's yeah. talk about this. How was he at the wedding? Like, yeah. what, what, like what was he like? What's he like in, in, he, in he real life? He is exactly what you think Sean Dyche is. He really? is exactly... <laughs> literally, uh, uh, that voice you can hear from absolutely everyone. And thankfully for me, I was right next to him. So I could really hear that. Like, he was like, and it, every time he spoke, everyone just turned around and looked at him. Um, yeah. He, he's Did a, you he, ask him about his views on football? And the, no, uh, I didn't really want to bother him no, too much. Yeah, I, I fair think, enough. I think he probably gets that a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I just found it funny because I, I really dislike Sean Dyche and the fact I was sitting next to him it just man, it just started, made my day. As, as Red Cannon says, you just started a fight with him, man. Like, imagine that, like <laughs> nah, I've, I've heard he's actually okay, though. I've, I've a few interviews I've saw, and it's like he's apparently a massive Kazabian fan as well. Because Peter Crouch was talking to him, he's a massive like indie yeah. music fan as well. You wouldn't expect it, and it's like um, I know it's the easy narrative for us to dislike <laughs> him, and obviously Klopp would win in the fight. But um, I think that's a great story, mate. You can't just drop that in like, oh you yeah, I mean? done last week. That's you, amazing. You know, hold on. Someone in the comments is saying name drop. Well, we're talking about him, so you know, it's yeah. not really name dropping, is exactly. it? Exactly. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I had I had lunch with Sean Dreich. You know, dinner. It's not a name drop, is it? Really? <laughs> but yeah. But um, obviously, as 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 soon as you mention uh, Sean Dreich, the comments start coming. Was he eating nails as starters? You know, <laughs> he's got this image, hasn't he, Ross? But you know, his team personifies him. I guess he's one of those. He's one of those coaches where he gets his message across. He he knows what he wants from his team, and it's up to us. I've always I've always said, look, people that moan about his, the way his teams play, well. As Conroy says, that's his job to get the best out of his team, you know, to do what he can to disrupt us. It's up to yeah. us, right, to set the tempo on, on, on Saturday afternoon and really just absolutely blitz them right from the start. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't say Targash to him, Ben Mead. That went into block off the buffet for him so no one else was <laughs> no. fucking get there, to, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, but you're 100% right. I mean, and again, if you flip it round and we're Burnley fans and you're going to Anfield, Liverpool, and you're looking at Salah for me, you know, Jota, you know, Fabinho, Henderson, all these players. You're not going to gung ho, are you? Because he's just going to get, he's going to get smashed four or five million. You use your, your players to the best of your ability and what you've got. And I think, I think sometimes we don't separate the the football from the the actual person. So I think you know he frustrates a life out of me as a as a football fan because you know we we call it boring, turgid football, defensive football, and you know and not football for some people would we'll, we'll call it. But then you see him like he did another interview a couple a couple of um, months ago. And he was talking about taking photos of people on holiday and just taking the piss out of people on holiday. Like, I think he's got a really good personality about him off the camera. You know, he's, he's, he's a bit of a laugh. Like, I do like him. So people don't see that side to him or, or just fail, or just want to ignore it because it's boring football or whatever else. So I don't blame him for playing it the way he has to. His job yeah, is, to, is, to keep, is to keep Burnley in the Premier League. If you go away to Anfield, a draw is not a bad result for you, is it really? I know they beat us there last time, so it's, so it's even better. He's going to celebrate that by playing the football that he wants to play. Than, you know, who are we to judge him? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Con- Conroy, um, so Cathal Robinson says, hopefully we play the way we did against Newcastle and for last season. We were brilliant that first half, but only scored one. I think he's referring to the game where we played all the front four uh, in that game, if I remember rightly. 
is this a game? Is this a game? And is this the kind of um, like sort of situation where you, where Klopp will do something like that? Is there a chance of him playing all four and try to blitz them two three nil in the first half, and then kind of settle, or or would you approach it slightly different? See, see, the thing is, Grizz, um, I've got to be honest, mate. See, in my head, and we'll talk about the, the front four, and uh, obviously, be a 4 2 three, one, nine times out of ten, we're going to play that. I've got to be honest, folks, when I'm playing FIFA or PES, it looks amazing, a 4 2 three, one. Um, but <laughs> Liverpool play, it doesn't really work very well. And the Manchester City Etihad, I thought, was a mistake by Klopp at the time because he couldn't drop Firmino. I feel like he, he needs to be a bit more, not going to tell Jurgen Klopp what he has to be, but... Jota should start, in my opinion. People might disagree with that, but Jota has proved that um, and let Firmino come on the bench. People might disagree. And if you want to pick one, I think you just pick one and play the three. We've been drilled to play a 4-3-3 for a long time. I don't think you could change the, what's made you successful to, to fit you know, square pegs and round holes. And I'm not saying Firmino can't be a number 10, but every time I've seen us do a 4-2-3-1, it doesn't look good enough, to be honest, mate. It just looks just doesn't work. And, and maybe it'll work eventually, but that's my take on it. I feel like you need to be ruthless and just pick one of them. And it should be Jota, but it'll probably be Firmino. Okay, we're, we're going to start working through through that team and what we think is going to be likely. Fahi, how do you think? So I assume, like, we all agree that the, the back four won't change. Um, yeah. Obviously, Robertson, great signs that he's nearing fitness and recovering very, very well. But obviously, this will be one game too early for him, probably. Uh, no, definitely. So midfield... What do you do in midfield, Fahey? What do you do? Yeah, me, me uh, it, it's a tough one, but I, I would probably go with Fab, Cater and Thiago, um, okay. purely because I, I think we need to retain possession. And um, I wasn't really a fan of Ox's performance on Saturday evening. Um, I think uh, I think he could have done a lot more. I expected a lot more from him, to be honest. And I think for the game against Burnley, I'm, I'm not sure he's the right um, person to be playing or starting that game. So, yeah, I would go with the midfielder, Fabinho, Cater and Thiago. And what would you do going forward? Then? Obviously, that, that, that's a tough main, one. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough one because historically, like you said at the beginning of the show, um, Fabinho does have a good record against Burnley. Um, obviously, he scored the other day. He looked good in pre-season as well. So um, it's a tough one. But again, can you really drop Jota right now? Does he deserve <laughs> to be dropped? I don't think he does. So, so really and truly, I probably would go with the same front three as we did against Norwich. Um, Jotter up front with Salah and Mane. Ross, any disagreements there or pretty much the same? Or Not disagreements, because I think you can make a case for a lot of players. And this is the beauty of, of having this conversation you know, six mm. months ago. It was just, who's got two working legs? Mm. You're, 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 you're starting, whereas yeah. now, you know, I can't disagree with anything that the lads have said. Personally, myself, um, back four picks itself, midfield three, I think I'll go for Bino. I'd go Hendo and then one of Cater or Thiago. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mind which either, but I think you've got a good balance there of defensive work, pressing, and then someone to either thread a pass or go, or go past the man, um, you know, against a, a, a team that's going to put men behind the ball. I agree on Jota, um, and I think this is the beauty of what Liverpool have got now, as we saw against Norwich. We can have someone that's going to make runs, tie defenders out, or left-backs yeah. out, mix it up with Sarah Mane, wear them out, and then you're going to bring Bobby Firmino off the bench when they're all worn out, and then just doing the no-look shit and just you know, make making him a bit dizzy. That, that's completely fine. My perception of Bobby last season and other seasons was he always struggles against teams that put eleven men behind the ball or ten men behind the ball because he likes the ball to feet to turn. And then when he turns around, there's two banks of four in front of him. 
doesn't really do that. Whereas Jota's good at making runs in behind and, and kind of being a little bit of a nuisance. So I like I like the you know start Jota or whatever else. Again, you know you make a case for Chamberlain. I think I don't think I'd start him, but you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it. You know how many times last season was with people saying get someone to have shots outside the box. Well, you've got that. Harvey Elliott backs himself to have shots outside the box. We saw in one of the preseason or a few of the preseason friendly. So I love the fact that we, that we've got options in, in this side, and that's either before the game or if something's not working during the game. We're not, I'm not looking at the bench and going, "Well, there's Shakiri and Riga there. What are they going to do? Oh, I can have Bobby Firmino. I can have Chamberlain. I can have Thiago. We've got options to mix things up." Yeah, Conroy. Um, obviously, mixed mixed opinions and mixed views about. Uh, who starts in, in in up front? And uh, Daddy Pig Daddy Pig makes a, a a good point here. He says, "Guys, don't disrespect Bobby. No one, no one on the team can play the role he does. So so far, three players have tried and they don't get involved or go missing. Jota got a goal last week, but we didn't see him. So he makes a point about sort of Jota, and I and I referred to this in a, in a couple of shows we done last week. In terms of he's that cold blooded killer, isn't he? As opposed to sort of." <sighs> I think he's got aspects of, of, I think you was on the show we spoke about him, where we, we discussed that um, he has got aspects of his game that, in my opinion, needs working on. In term, And that will come. The more he plays with the front boys and the understanding and the chemistry. What we take for granted is, uh, I know Ross alluded to, to Bobby likes the ball to his feet, but these Burnley centre-backs don't like players that are playing up against them. They like play, they, they, they would hate players who who sort of drop into that space and then just looking to sort of drag them out of their comfort zone. And Bobby's very good at that, whereas Jota possibly would be easier to mark because even though he likes to make runs behind, I don't think there will be a behind <laughs> against Burnley, if you know what I mean. There won't be a space to, to make those runs. So it's a t- difficult one. I also think you shouldn't you utilize Bobby's great form whilst he's got it because he has these phases, doesn't he, where he just goes totally missing for the season. So, look, taking these points and th- things into consideration, what's your final thoughts on how you would set up up front? Then? <clears throat> the, the thing is for me, folks, and it might be a bit ruthless, but um, how many games has Bobby Firmino played when he shouldn't have played? And I feel like we're testing Jota's patience a bit here. I feel like if he was a different type of person he'd maybe be a bit more outspoken about this because I don't know what else he's meant to do to be in the starting lineup. Um You talk about, you know, technical ability. And I agree, guys. I completely get what you're saying with Firmino. But if you don't start a shot in this game, how is that healthy for a squad? How can you possibly do that perform- performance? I know the comment says Jota wasn't involved. I feel like the first half had a header saved by the, key- the keeper. His-, his movement, Jota's movement's a different type of movement to Bobby. For me... I actually think people sleep. I said this to you, Chris, before. I think Jota's a very clever footballer when it comes to movement. If you watch a lot of the times, he drops in a number 10 position whilst running to create space for Manny and Salah. For me, I just think you've got to be ruthless in the sense of Firmino last season, how many times did he keep getting started? And and I just feel like it doesn't send the right message. And and for me, Jota's effective it does you can look at science behind it but he's just effective it works it's a bit like Mo Salah at the start well you, we could have our Mo Salah is also a great player but you would not say Mo Salah is technically the best player you've ever seen in your life but he's so effective and I feel like Jota is in that mode and for, for me you start Jota if it doesn't work as Ross said tire the Burnley defence out with the movement and then you've got Firmino 
probably at the same time against Norwich to, to link the midfield and attack and it works well. So I would go for Jota, each to their own, but I just think um needs to be a bit more ruthless this season when it comes to that because I know he loves Bobby and obviously there's sentiment in football, there's favourites, hence why Ox is getting so many chances, but you've, you've got to, you cannot start Jota in my opinion. I feel like it doesn't send a good message for the team at all. I'd like to add a point as well on what you're yeah, saying. Um, and, and basically, I, I feel as if it's unfair on Jota where people just compare him to the work Firmino does. W- what is it to say that Jota is not told to do something different? Um, I, I think people just feel as if Jota slots in, he's supposed to do what Firmino does. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. I think Jota has different attributes where, you know, he sniffs out second balls quite well. He knows where ricochets are going to come and he he, he runs in at the he right time. He has this instinct, doesn't he? Have, exactly. He, he, has has this, he has this cold-blooded instinct where... Exactly, he, exactly. Yeah. And for that reason, I, I, I don't think he's told to drop back as much. I don't think he's told to be involved further back in the pitch. I, I think for that reason, Klopp wants him further forward, sniffing out those second balls and stuff like that. So I think it's quite unfair when um, fans compare his work rate to Firmino's because I think they're told to do two different things. Ross, you wanted to yeah, say something? I, yeah, but just for, firstly on, on Jota, I think just to add to what uh, Conroy was saying there, he made it a Suarez-like run before Todd Campbell decided yeah. to try and kick his leg off as well. Like, so there is a different aspects to his game. The other point I wanted to make was I think it's not necessarily the case, but I think you've got one eye on Chelsea as well. You know, get get through this game, but also if Jota starts this game and runs himself into the ground for 70 minutes, Bobby's still going to be fresh if he plays 20 in this one for a game against Chelsea and a game that might suit him a little bit better. So, you know, that's a, another massive game at, at Anfield with a different test. But I think, you know, this is the beauty of having a squad. You know, you've got to use it. You've got to utilise it. You've got to use, use form. In these things, I think James Milner played Norwich and to the point before about, I know, I understand why Fabinho didn't start. I wanted him to, but Fabinho needs to get him back, back up to speed as well. Get Fabinho yeah. in this game and he got Fabinho again for, for, for Chelsea's game. So, you know, it, I know it all depends. Like I said before, Jota will have to perform if he starts this game because Bobby's one of the, the best strikers in the world. I think I think you're right on last season as well, Conroy, in the fact that, you know, he played so much football last season, as did the, the, both, the other two of the front three, because there was no one else. So those those three at 70 running to the ground mentally and physically knackered was better than what we had on the bench. This time, you know, you've got rotation within the front four, as it were. Use it. Yeah. No, you're you're spot on. Look, I think it's a, I think it's a tricky one. I still don't know. I still don't. I'm still not sure which way Klopp's going to go. But either you know, way, just happy to have the conversation. Of we've got I just, choices. I was absolutely good. just going to say that, Ross. Isn't it amazing that we've got we've got uh, shows that we, we we can dispute and discuss options? You know, as opposed to as you said earlier. Look, you've got two legs. Yeah, get on the pitch and play this week. <laughs> it was true, though, Conroy. Look, um, someone's going to try to help me pronounce this name. Go on, Conroy. Well, the um, most. Oh, what the Valovic, you mean? Valovic? No, 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 no. This, this, oh, the, oh the, the, which one? You got oh, that one, sorry. So the one that's yeah. up already. Zizis Kutsumbas. I hope that was right. Probably not. I think that not, was pretty much. I think that's spot on, actually. Call me um, the butcher because I butchered that probably. But no, we'll move on. Proper, he says, Firmino is a maestro versus low box. He's exceptional first touch, close control between the lines movement. is second to none. He must be the most disrespected footballer in football history. I totally disagree, but it's a brilliant... The reason why... I, put this up it's a brilliant segue into my next talking point guys and the next talking point if laura duffy's in the chat um can you put us up mohammed salah's uh, amazing stats because i think he, he i think he's close to breaking another uh, stat fahi i'm going to come to you first and because i think mohammed salah is the most disrespected footballer in f- footballing history um 
today um, over on social media, I, I didn't retweet really it because I don't like giving these kind of um, organizations much notice. But unfortunately, we're going to have to bring it up for the for the segment. Um, a presenter on on Talkshite said um, uh, <laughs> no. uh, he said he said um, he said. I don't know what it is about him. I just don't, I just can't explain it. I know he's good, but there's something about him. Just what, what on earth are these people talking about when they, when they can't accept the greatness for this, for this fella? Um, a lot of chat about his contract and, and, and his demands apparently or whatever, but first tell me, you know, where do you rank him and what do you think of this of this phenomenon that is Mo Salah? Sa- Sa- I've run out of superlatives to describe Mo Salah. I think Mo Salah is a player that has absolutely surprised everyone in the sense of what he has actually achieved at the club. I don't think anyone really expected it. In terms of goal returns, assist returns, I don't think any of us expected it. A lot of us thought he'd do well um, purely because of how well he did at Roma, but I don't think we thought he'd do the numbers that he's achieved so far. And even in his worst season, he's achieved numbers where players in their best season have just about achieved. So that kind of says a lot about the level that he's performed at for Liverpool Football Club. Um, where I rank him, what type of ranking are we talking? Are we talking right now in the Prem or just for Liverpool in general? So, look, the, the question that's always asked is the greatest Liverpool player, I guess, Um you know, and obviously people t- often talk about sort of Dalglish or Gerard sort of being at, at, at the at the at the pinnacle of that. Sure. I think by the time this fella finishes, I think he will be on a level playing field, if not exceeded them in. Yeah, I, I I think he'll get to a point where his name being up there with with those legends won't be as surprising as it still clearly is. Um, I think he deserves it. I think he people have every right to mention his name there just because of what he's achieved at the club, just because of his consistency, just because of him winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League. I think these are things that legends do, and he's done it. Um, th- the other point I want to make, you obviously referenced a radio station that I don't want to reference either because they do talk a lot of shite. Um, and, and what he was trying to say about, you know, there's something about Mo Salah that I can't put my finger on that I just, I'm not sure about. I think it's an aesthetic thing, right? I think with Salah, the way he plays, it's not exactly the most pleasing to the eye. If you're a neutral, if you're a neutral fan, you're probably not a fan of watching the way Salah kind of jockeys and and gets around with the ball. You're probably not, it's probably not the most attractive type of football. Fair enough. But that doesn't mean you kind of, um, you know, lower what he's achieved and, and lower his actual level because he's clearly proven it for four seasons now. I'm not really sure what more you could possibly want. Look at this. I mean, we, we've been inundated with some amazing stats because I asked Laura Duffy and everyone suddenly... Yeah, it's, it's a two goals from 100, uh, Chris. So Salah's he's either on 98, I think it's 97 or 98. So he's two goals from 100 Premier League goals and that's wow. in four years for a winger. Um, and... Yeah, just just sorry to interrupt, guys. Just to add no, on, on to Fahi's point. See the thing about Mo Salah. This, this is a big debate, debate in football, and I'm always on this side of it. Mo Salah. We're all Liverpool fans. We don't watch the match of the highlights. Watch the full game. We could all say Mo Salah probably should have scored more goals because he's actually missed quite a lot of chances as well. And and that's the that's he's the enigma of a man. But what I would say is 
it's about effectiveness football. And I think some people struggle to accept that it's about effectiveness. And Mo Salah could have an average game, but he'll get a brace. And he's just so effective. And that's why I think some fans who you mentioned Goldstein about the aesthetic and stuff just have to accept that his, the way he plays football is better than a lot of players who look... So say like a Hazard, for example. Oh my God, that looks amazing. What a run. But I think he's never hit 20 goals a season in the Premier League. Salah's effectiveness, and that's football is. And shout out, you know, some of the comments might not like my next uh, comparison here, but you've got to give credit where credit's due. Raheem Sterling is a bang average finisher, but he scored 95 Premier League goals for, for a winger. So you've got to give him the same credit. And what I mean, that's a lot to do with his movement under, under Guardiola as well. And he's in football intelligence. But my point is, Sterling's not technically amazing either, but he's effective. And football's about effectiveness. Um, yep. This kind of fascination, we all want to see players like Ronaldinho, it doesn't work anymore. Salah's gameplay, he being on that last line and running in behind and basically taking it to feet, taking a man on. I mean, the goals and the assists speak for themselves. I think there's another stat I was going to say to you is, I feel like someone said to me earlier, see since 2018, Kevin, no, sorry, Kevin De Bruyne, is, so a goal and assist in each game, has had 18 games where he's got a goal and assist. Salah's got 19. So that's... That's that just shows you stats are ridiculous. Ross, with all those stats and everything taken into consideration, and just generally his demeanor and his levels of fitness and in terms of everything he seems to be because I, I, I spoke on the Fatback Four on Sunday and I spoke about his what I found a new I've seen a new maturity to him around the place as well, in terms of um sort of taking Harvey Elliott under his wing, giving him advice. His, even when I saw him on Norwich, sort of his responsibility, he, he's, it looks like he's taken on more responsibility. He knows now that he's one of the captains, the leaders of this team, without doubt. Taking all that into consideration, how much are you paying him, Ross? Like, if you're, like, people in charge? Whatever he wants. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever, whatever he wants. I think uh, everything the lads have said, I can only back up and, and completely echo those those sentiments. I think, I think, I'm not sure whether I think this is um, a gut or a hope or anything, but I think last season made the squad stronger. Now, I've said this before. I think I said this on the last show. Any job that we're in, if you start losing staff members left, right, and centre, and works a bit shit, and you know you got to do your job, and then Salah's not getting the service, despite that his numbers last season were still pretty decent. Um, you know, and then you come through it all. This is a bit like we lost to Kiev. Okay, we'll go again. We'll go with the next season. We missed out on the league. Okay, we'll go with it next season. We lost half our squad next season. That wasn't us. I tell you what, we'll go. We'll go again. We'll do that. I don't think Salah's had a choice, but also I think he enjoys the responsibility. We've lost Genie Manaldum, who was one of the three leaders. I think with, with Van Dijk and Hensi within that side, someone yeah. needs to step up and take that. Why not Salah? Salah's a global superstar and icon. And I, I went. I was out in Qatar when we won the Club World Cup, right? Any time his name was was mentioned on, like you know, the team was coming out. The whole stadium, outside around the stadium, wherever you were, he's like he's massive. He's absolutely huge. And I think that's part of Goldstein's problem. I think it's a cultural thing that is the issue with him because he can bet your bottom dollar he's right up Harry Kane's ass. Well, why is he doing that? Because he's because he's English. And most Salah isn't. It's, it's that simple. I saw um, Robbie from Arsenal TV. He did. A, I think they did a watch them for Liverpool game, and they were having the same discussion. And he's like, "Because he's Egyptian." It's as simple, simple as that. He's not. He's not. He's not cool as Conroy said. He's not the flash play. He's not someone's going to end up on the on the front cover of FIFA or whatever else. 
He's Mo Salah. And actually, I think he's got he's got a lot to his game and he's got a lot of differences. The amount of times that he scored that goal where he cut to on his left, you might say it's predictable, but it's how many people have stopped him? You know, some of the best goals. Some of the best goals. I lost my shit when he scored that goal against Tottenham where he went, went past two, three players by the byline. We ended up drawing that, or whatever. But I think you know, I know. Roma, we did draw that. Roma, Everyone forgets yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Roma, Everton, same, same sort of goal. But he's got chips, assists. This, this time, I think I was talking about togetherness, which was my earlier point. Of he, he sets up Bobby. He can, he can shoot from there. And there's the chance that you know he's talking about being, being um, clinical. He should score another goal, but he doesn't. He chooses to find Sadio Mane, and when he doesn't have to, okay, because we're all together now. We're all in this together to go and win the league. That's the maturity that you want, but you get that with age. You get that with experience of, of, of doing things. So you know, I, I'm getting a bit sick of fucking defending him to be honest. Because I don't know. Obviously, I'm not saying this is your fault, but I don't see why, why we have to. Why Goldstein comes out with stuff like that? Because well, we do know because you know, talk bollocks on there. You get you get traction. That's what it's for. Absolutely, um, Avi. Um, whilst um, having fun in Las Vegas. Um, has been trying to get a tweet that bangs sort of about six months. And I remember this tweet <laughs> banged for him. Like, not honestly, he tries every week. He, he WhatsApps me and asks me for tips. Um, but this one was a, but the, this one was a good one. He said, Mo Salah, Chelsea was his setback. We were his comeback. And, and motivation and sort of goals plays a big part, right? For he and a lot of players, like we, we underestimate these guys when sort of they've been treated in their eyes, unfairly, whatever, by the media and press, and it's and and it, and it spurs them on. It's an absolutely um, pivotal, like motivation can be pivotal in the in in the, in the drive for success. Are you of the notion that there's no way, there's no way we do not offer him a new contract and he accepts? We 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 give him everything he wants, um, surely, right? Yeah. I... <laughs> On the first point regarding motivation, yeah, I think that's also something FSG look at as a profile. You know, players that are rough diamonds, players that haven't exactly performed to their optimum level at their current club. But you I can know, see the but you exactly. can see this, yeah. So that's something we used to look at quite a bit, and I think that's what we saw in Mo Salah. Um, in terms of the contract, just give him what he wants. Now, I completely get the profile doesn't exactly fit with FSG's plans um, and all that kind of stuff, but really and truly, if there's one player in the squad that deserves... That's the key word, isn't it? That's the key word. Yeah. Because every player in every big club always wants to get what he deserves. So, for example, we've spoken about, and Ginny's gone now, I don't want to go over it again, but he felt Mm. he didn't deserve the contract he was being offered or whatever. Mm. We've got to make sure uh, Salah gets the contract he deserves, as you said. A hundred percent. And I I think with Salah as well, there's so many different avenues to look at. You look at it from a global perspective as well, in in terms of the amount of eyes on Liverpool Football Club. It's an absolute no-brainer to keep Salah at the club, purely because of the popularity he brings to the the red shirt. So uh, I think really and truly, he, he pays for his own salary. Ultimately, like with, with the Absolutely. amount of work he does, with his profile that he has, it's an absolute no-brainer. I completely get the age thing. I get that really and truly doesn't exactly fit FSG's profiles of renewals when you get to that age. But if there is one player that you can break that for, it has to be Mo Salah. And I don't think anyone can have a gripe with that. No, no, you're right. I'm sorry, Ramiz. I think we missed your super chat. Still reckon we signed two in the last week, lads. It's literally last week, isn't it? Um, Conroy, are you confident? That we signing anyone? Mm. Never mind I, I, two. 
I, 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 I am still, but it's, it's draining. I've been on two shows, gratefully loved it. And I think I started the first show, I was very optimistic and it's slowly filtering down. And now it's like, I've got a few days left. I still believe, as I think Gav uh, said the other night, he feels like Liverpool have got A and B ready. And it's just a case of moving whoever needs to move Moving out X that, and uh, Y. <laughs> X and Y, yeah. So I, I, would, I, would, I am still confident, maybe not blindly, but maybe other people are, are starting to panic quite a lot now. But I do feel like there's Liverpool, Ross might disagree because I know he's obviously done a lot on, on transfers with Redmen, but Liverpool since Van Dyke. I've kind of kept their cards close to the chest when it's came to transfers. As far as I can remember, anyway, there may be a few examples, but even the Thiago one, it looked like that wasn't going to happen. Then it happened. Jota was the day before that, a few days before that, out of nowhere. Even the Fabinho one, I feel like that's how we operate now. Him. So when we don't see it in the news every week, we maybe shouldn't panic. But so I, I do think we'll get two in. Um, but at the start of the window, I know I'd said to you before, Chris, I, I wanted the number nine. I, I think those choices are limited now, and I'm hearing stupid money for um, for Halovich, who's like 70 million, which is crazy, and that's not going to happen. I feel like we've kind of missed the boat a few number nines we could have went for. So I feel like it'll be attacker and a centre mid. However, to your point about the Salah thing, do you think that stops Liverpool looking at Saul? Because if he's asking for this certain amount of money, which is not worth that a week, I don't care. So he's not worth that a week. Do you think that maybe stops Liverpool going for him and looks at other central midfield options? I look. I don't think. I don't think uh, the Salah situation affects anything else uh, in terms of transfer plans. Salah is a Salah is a unique player for this football club. Salah is a unique situation, not a situation, but Salah is a, a unique um, contract that will be a unique contract because he will be the highest um, paid Liverpool player ever. And he's deserving of that. It shouldn't. It shouldn't affect anything else in terms of how we sort of incoming players. But I think we've been smart about it in terms of we've left his contract till last. Like, you know, it makes sense. So we've sorted out everyone else's in, uh, contract and then we're leaving Salas till last because, you know, people can't sort of suddenly say, look, well, if you're paying Mo this much, maybe I can't get that much, but maybe I can get a little bit less other the likes of Virgil van Dijk, maybe, or, or a Trent. But um, with regards to Saul, look, um, Jurgen Klopp, I think, made it very, very clear that he's content and happy with his central midfield options. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if if we bring in a central midfielder now. I will get absolute hammered and slaughtered in the comments now. But I think, I think it's it's it's. How does Jurgen Klopp come back from that, Ross? Because he was very, very adamant and very clear and concise. H- has Jurgen Klopp that have got that Pep, uh, Pep sort of characteristics where Pep just lies through his teeth and said, you know, do you remember the famous one where he said we we just can't afford this, and then they go and sort of buy Grealish for hundred million and and want Harry Kane for hundred thirty million? Could we see a central midfielder coming after Klopp's? Outburst, maybe of saying, um, name someone that we can do. I, I, with. I, I think there's a difference. I think Pep was was quite clearly lying there because the two different two different lines for me. I think what Klopp says in the press and what he thinks maybe two completely different things. Now he's not going to come out and say, "Yeah, I need mm. a new midfielder," because that's going to piss off the midfielders that he's got in his, in his squad. So for me, that's good PR, good protection of the players that he's got, and he's showing respect to the lads that are in, in that side. Um, equally, he's not going to come out and say, "Well, if Regan and Shakiri get off, yeah, 
oh, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get someone in. It's just not what he's going to go and do. It's interesting because I saw Dan Kennett do a tweet today and he was talking about Liverpool's squad depth and analysis and different positions we can play and versatility and stuff like that. And when you look at it on paper and even the Osasuna Atletico Bilbao games, you go, oh my God, like we're, we're all right. But everyone's concern is fitness. Can Naby stay fit? Can Ox stay fit? Is Virgil van Dijk going to be okay? Is Joe Gomez going to be okay? So from a fan's perspective, I go, I'd like another one. And, you know, I want midfield. I want another. I want another. I want another forward. But who's who are you going to try and get? I'm not saying. I I think we need we need someone. But who's going to fit the bill of going? Okay, we need another forward. By the way, you're only really going to play if Firmino's not there and Jot is not there and Salah's not there and Manny's not there and Manny and Salah will miss a few games with the Afcon in January, which is which is a concern. But you know, it's not an ideal. But you can play Chamberlain there. You can play Harvey Elliott there. If Origi and Shakiri stay, then you still got two options currently as, as the team stands. Not ideal. Not not what I'd do. Midfield, you know, you look around. Milner, Jones, Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho. You know, Chainlin can play there as well. Katie, just you know, you can list off a, a load of players, and that's six or seven people for three positions. The concern is last season. Are we going to miss seven eight players again? Now, if this happens, don't don't blame me. Last season was a freak for any team. No, no man, Liverpool, for that to happen against the same team, I think is, is near enough impossible. And that might be a little bit of hope on my side. But I think mm. it, it, the market's different. Everyone's going, how many people have bought? Loads of people. Not a lot. You know, with some, some big moves, obviously Lukaku's gone, Grealish is gone, Man United have spent big on, on two or three players. But the people that we need to buy our players aren't spending money. So it's difficult. So what do you do? Do you cut your losses and go actually get off? We'll sell security for four billion pounds to Leon because we want him off the books. We want to bring someone else in, or you go, well, we'll just keep all of him because it's worth us having a play there who can make a difference. Sometimes, you know, we've seen, you know, Man United games, West Ham, you know, we scored a lovely, uh, he got a lovely assist to Salah in that game. You can be effective. Origi, I'm not, I'm not so sure on. From a business perspective, I think we have to look at things from a business perspective and what's, what's ideal. For, for Liverpool and if you know no one comes in for the right offer for Shaqiri fine just just keep him it's not not the answer that I that I want but I'd rather we did that than go and spend thirty million pound on, on someone that just for the sake of buying someone. Fahi your thoughts before we, we close up on, on the situation Ross has got an opinion Conroy's given his what what what's your opinion <sighs> oh, on our transfer gosh. window as as we as we speak and the possible ending to it. Yeah, I, I mean, this has been one frustrating window. Um, I don't want to moan too much. I'm just, I really... Oh, get thought, it off your chest, bro. Get it off yeah, your chest. Bro, bro, the, the thing is, if, if I run, I'll run forever. And we, we've all got bedtime, right? It's past <laughs> We all want to sleep in the UK. But yeah, I, I think this has been a really frustrating window um, this summer. I expected so much more from the club. And obviously, for whatever reason, it's not happened. Um where do we stand with the final week of the window, final 10, 11 days? I do expect us to make a couple of signings. Who they are, I don't have a clue. Um, but I do expect a centre mid to come in. I think what Klopp said again, um, like the two lads before said, I, I think it's good PR. You're, you're not going to turn around and be like, well, yeah, we're looking for a centre mid when you've got about six of the club already. That doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, I think a centre mid will come in. I th- hopefully uh, uh, another attacker does come in. But again, who the names are, I don't know. I hope I'm surprised. Um, I, I can hazard a guess who, who they're going to be. But, yeah, I, I hope I'm surprised and um, they kind of come out of nowhere like a Jota signing. Yeah, I mean, to, this is just, it. Sorry, For, sorry, Chris. Just to yeah. come on this point before, because you, you spot on since the Van Dyke stuff, like our cards that have been shut. But I'd say the same from, from Trent's contract. 
No one was talking about that. Fabinho, I think the rumours were Alisson was going to get anyone, and then, then, then it was Fabinho. And just on the final thing for the transfers, the other thing that gives me a slight bit of hope is look at January, which is which was a bit reckless to be to be honest. Of but it was last minute for Ben Davis. It was last minute for Kabak. The year before, Jota and Thiago came in towards the end of the transfer window when the, when the season had already started. So you know this model of you know Liverpool get people in early to get them in for pre season. I think we was a thing, which I don't think I don't think it is anymore. So I don't think there's a reason. You know, it might might sound stupid, here, but I'm not panicking because I think something will get sorted. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't give me a shout out on in live air, like you said everything secret. But I told you about Hendo's contract a week before it happened. But it's okay. We'll let I it don't slide. reveal my. I don't we'll reveal let, my sources. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. <laughs> um, but listen, it's been a fantastic show, lads. Um, need to thank you all. Uh, we've gone over the hour. Uh, again, I tried to always fit in an hour, but there's so much talking points and, and, and the chat really flowed. As usual, the chat was amazing. Uh, Fahi, where can people find more of your rants and, 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 and murmurings? Where can everyone yes, find it, it's, it's not all rants, so sometimes it's positive. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, <laughs> Farm, and I'm also on the Copy and Frackers podcast, um, which goes live every Wednesday morning on your favourite um, podcast platforms. Excellent, excellent. And hopefully we'll do a few more collaborations uh-huh. as the scene goes, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Ross, as always, um, top man. Thanks for me. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. And Conroy, I'll tell you what, your sort of managing skills might not be as good as Avi's, but I'll tell you what, some of the insight they gave us and your footballing opinions smashed Avi's. But listen, <laughs> appreciate you loads, mate. Thank you very much for everything. And thanks for having me, Chris. Cheers. No problem. Um, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Um, I want to plug my uh, uh, channel as well. I've, start, I've started. A, I'm not going anywhere before rumors start. I know it's coming up to transfer deadline day, and everyone's going to think, "What? What is this bombshell?" You know, uh, Grizz is dropping. Peter Odin Wenger. You know what I mean? Like you know. Um, but uh, so just uh, if you like, subscribe and like my channel as well. I'm going to start putting content out there. Uh, which is going to be just an extra on top of the legacy day trippers as well. So that would be nice. But apart from that, um, thank you very much. The chat was amazing as it always is. Very knowledgeable people in the chat. Uh, now Chris is not leaving on a three-year deal, man. It's not a problem. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere until Gav kicks me out. Uh, but apart from that, everyone enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, hopefully by 3 p.m., and by the time we watch everyone else, we will be top of the table, lads. There's, there's no. no Friday game, is there? There's not, no. No, so we could be top of the table, and long may that continue. This has been Carnage on the LFC Day Trippers channel. Over and out. Sports Social Podcast Network.